Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. And we're here to review Borat 3. Borat 3? <laughs> wow, wow, wee, wow. <laughs> My wife. Subsequent, subsequent movie film. Yeah. Crazy they would release two of them just back to back, hot on the heels of each other. <laughs> what are the odds? Hey, man. You know what? They, they have no... Uh... They have no limit to what they won't do and comment on, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm yeah. saying right now. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But uh, no, we are doing... This is the second half of a of a two-week-long Sasha Baron Cohen movie festival that we are clearly hosting on the show now. <laughs> I think the, the world was uh, just given because Wonder Woman wasn't out. <laughs> yeah. So now the whole world is watching... Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Wonder Woman, I think Candyman was supposed to be out. Yep, like Candyman. There should have been, been some good shit. Well, hopefully good shit. We don't actually know it's not out, but there should have been stuff that we could have talked about. Not saying anything about this movie or Borat, but right. they just they, these just weren't movies that we were planning on doing. They also kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Now, were we supposed to get um, the new Saw? Was that supposed to come out this year? Yeah, I think Spiral was supposed to come out this year. I, right. I don't know anything like I. That was a movie that I didn't really give a shit about. <laughs> I mean, I was interested just to see Chris Rock yeah, and Sam Jackson, but uh, I don't know. I, I I think I might just be oversaw. I don't know. Yeah, you oversaw it. I did. Well, that's the thing. I was. Uh, I remember when Jigsaw came out two years ago. Was it two years ago? I was excited for that because I was like, oh wow, like they're bringing back saw they haven't made a saw movie in like 10 years or whatever like they're probably doing it because they've got like a, a really good idea and then no it was just a cash grab like the twist was so dominant it was just it was just let's just bring something back that we know will sell tickets and we could do it for cheap and yeah. i was i was bummed I was very bummed yeah see i don't have any stock in the saw franchise <laughs> so i saw like the first one and i was like this is cool i feel like when that first one came out, everybody was like shit in their pants, like how like so innovative, and it's like this is like the new thing of like horror and stuff like that. But well, then, the first um, one, I think the first one is really good. Well, then they they just beat that dead horse, like oh yeah, drove it into the ground. <laughs> yeah, I I always make fun of the seventh one. The seventh one has uh, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, rest in peace, in mm-hmm. it. But his like trap. I oh I thought it was hilarious. Like the message behind it was supposed to be like you judge people by the color of their skin. Like now, like you're gonna have to remove your own skin type thing. Yeah. But basically, like what he have you seen it? 
<laughs> no, but that sounds right. Oh, okay. Because basically it's this huge-ass contraption with, like, him and three other racists, and they're, like, in this thing. But basically, like, you know how most of the things it's, like, yeah, I, like, fucking via surgery hit a key behind your eye, so you're going to have to rip your eye out or whatever. Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. something, something like that, or, like, you're actually, like, chained to something. You need to get the key to get out. Whatever. Like, this one is literally, he's just, like, I super glued your back to the chair. <laughs> It's like a prank war. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But he's, I got you, sucker. Yeah. So basically, it's like it's like you have a minute to like rip your back skin off, otherwise you're gonna die. So it's just like they keep showing his back, and it's like sticky. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's brutal. Way to way to up the ante. <laughs> yeah. I glued your fingers together. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be uncomfortable for like. Four to six hours. You're going to need some acetate to get that sticky stuff off. (laughs) I'm a sick fuck. (laughs) You don't even want to know how much money I spent on Elmer's this year. (laughs) Well, he was smart. He invested in Elmer's stock, and then he bought a shit ton. Yeah. Oh, my God. The profits they saw in that quarter were phenomenal. (laughs) Speaking of, like, stocks and movies, I was talking to Brianna's dad, like, (laughs) <laughs> two weeks ago and we were ended up talking about uh Willy Wonka and just like how like weird of a movie it is and I was like yeah like he like brings kids into his his chocolate factory and then kills them and then has his slave labor dispose of them and then uh her dad was like what do you think what do you think Charlie did with the company after he was given it I was like he probably waited till the stock was at an all-time high and then sold it <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good move. That'd be the yeah. right move. Yeah, he sold it to Hershey. I'm pretty sure Hershey makes all the Wonka candy now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there it is. That's what happened. He made a deal with Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, speaking of Hershey, you ever go to, you've gone to Hershey Park, right? Oh, hell yeah. Love Hershey Park. Chocolate I've, factory. Dude, I was on the Hershey Johnson. Highway just before we started recording this. Oh, well, actually, we both were. <laughs> yeah, we had, to, we had to take a break between recording two episodes. To <laughs> boo, <laughs> in case you couldn't figure it out. What were they? Were they? Were they making chocolate? Were they baking? What were they doing? Oh yeah, I, I mean, was... it came out it came out like kisses. <laughs> <laughs> they were wrapped in foil and had a little had a little paper tail. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my defense, I was eating confetti earlier. Oh yeah, and my body just doesn't digest it. That uh, for whatever reason, that just reminded me. We were talking about like small chocolates, or whatever. I thought this was so funny. I, I, maybe it's not even that funny, but I remember one year I was, I think I was still in high school, and we were, we were at Mountain Creek, mm-hmm. like during during the summer, at the water park. So for yeah. all the of you that don't know what Mountain Creek is, it's, it's this huge ass. Uh, water park that actually the movie action point that um giant knoxville did two years ago it's about this park they right. just changed the name but uh we were at mountain creek and we were waiting online and then one of my friends was like basically just like one of my friends was talking to my other friend and he was like he was like bro like your nipples look like fucking pieces of salami and then my other friend was like dude he's like your nipples look like m&m minis and i just look over and this kid had the tiniest <laughs> nipples ever he didn't think that through before he started cutting no, on the other guy I for his lost nipples it. i thought it was so funny 
is you your looks like not even just M and M's M and M minis. Oh man, I love the M and M minis. You just throw yeah. a whole tube back down your gullet. So good, <laughs> man. Now I kind of want to go get M and M minis when I'm done with this. Because after after we're recording, I am gonna run to the store and get some supplies, aka just food to survive. Because I haven't eaten in like four days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Everyone's like, the stores have been open. You could just get food. But like, no, there's a pandemic. I can't. I'm dying. <laughs> That's the excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, and I'm looking thin. I was, well, I was I was going to say, I've, uh, you know, you got to come up with every excuse possible not to leave the house. That's why I literally just bought a Peloton. <laughs> really? So I could not go to the gym. <laughs> perfect. My gym is now down my stairs. Well, that's so, perfect. Yeah, yeah that's all man. you need. That's that's my, that's the dream is to just never leave the house. Honestly, I'm looking like Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's not the worst dream. Oh my god, I have some cloaks I've been looking to drag out of the closet lately. <laughs> Walking around here, very Nosferatu. <laughs> I got a. I'm pointing. I'm working on pointing my ears a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Get those teeth. Big bushy eyebrows. <laughs> what a weird design for a vampire. Things you can get away with back before movies were actually movies. Am I right? Yeah. I I love uh in what we do in the shadows. They basically have Nosferatu in it, but his name's Peter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love I love like all the different um you watch the TV show, What We Do in the Shadows? I've only watched like an episode or two. Like for me, a big I mean I love the first one. We've mentioned it a bunch in like the last like three episodes, but uh Taika Watiti is a huge selling point for me on that movie, his writing on it and all that. And then actually Jemaine Clement is another huge selling point for me. And neither right. of them are involved in the TV show. So like I enjoy it, but I don't have the desire to like really like continue watching. Like I'd rather right. watch like a movie or whatever. So I got you. I really want to watch. Is the movie streaming anywhere? Or you got to rent it. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I had to, uh, just, I have it on DVD. So, oh, Okay. I don't think it's streaming anywhere because we were we showed it to Brianna's parents and um, at first her dad was like, well, if it's not streaming anywhere, like how am I going to like watch the other episodes? And I was like, no, it's a movie. But yeah, you, if you wouldn't be able to watch it anywhere else because yeah, it's not streaming anywhere. So that'd be yeah. one. I, I feel like I should just buy like because I do. I do want to do want to watch it again. But I, I don't know if I if I said this when we talked about it last, but like I I forgot how much I like it. Like it's it's definitely my second favorite Taika Waititi movie. I only saw it once, and I honestly like can't even say I remember. Like it was before I was fully aware of Taika Waititi. Well, that was the same. I saw it in theaters. Watch it again. Like I yeah. think I had seen it twice, but like it was like right when it first came out. Watch it again. It's so good. Yeah, so good. I'll find, I'll get my hands on it. I'll get my dirty little hands on it. I'll get my grimy little grubby little hands all over it. <laughs> I'm going to rub, I'm going to rub my nasty little, my nasty little fingers, my fingies all over it. I'm going to grab it with my fingies and I'm going to no. clutch it. I'm going to get it in my fucking clutches and I'm going to bring it all the way to the trailer park. Wow. I saw you grabbing the stick. You're just coming at it. You're like a fucking ninja with a bow staff. <laughs> yeah, you just see my arms like reaching blindly behind me, trying to trying to feel around for my stick. Yeah. Um, I did want to say this real quick before the trailer park. Just big news. Oh, big God. News. Here we go. I already threw us into the trailer park. 
big news though. I think. All right, fine. Hit me with hit me with your news. I beat box office tycoon. (laughs) Wow, you beat box. (laughs) I beat box office tycoon. Office tycoon. Off his tycoon. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But wait, so you can actually finish that game? It's not like a because most mobile games you just go on forever and then they make updates and then you do more. Um. Well, basically, like once you 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 once you complete all the challenges on a theater, you unlock the next one. Yeah. But but I've I've done all the challenges for all the theaters, and now it just says like wait around for the next theater to come out. But I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm deleting this app now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should. I did not beat all of the theaters, but I have not been playing it. I haven't checked on it in like two weeks. The uh, the last theater is a grind. It takes forever. For whatever yeah. they like have like the most insane seats. It's basically like, yeah, there's a there's like a a lazy boy for every single chair and each one costs like literally every time you want to upgrade to like the final one, it's like, okay, the chairs in this are gonna cost you like eighty nine million dollars for one row of seats. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> See that's the thing, like it's a grind just in like the the second to last theater. And uh yeah. And yeah, I was just tired of it. I can't keep watching ads for that stupid thing with the guy in the boat and he's going to fall down into the spikes. Yeah. But then then you pull the the stupid the thing out of the pipe out of his way, but then they always the 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 advertising campaigns for these these online games like these mobile games. I mean, they're genius because they show you like the mechanics of the game. It's like this is how you you play it. And then they show purposefully, like they get through the first two obstacles are super easy. Then they get to a third super easy obstacle and they make the most obvious dumb choice. And then you're sitting there, you're like, come on, I know how to fix that. Like, oh, it makes me so angry. I just want to do it the right way. And then that's how they get you and they hook you in. Uh, But not me. I saw one that was a basketball game and it was like literally just you're throwing like, like like basketballs in a hoop or whatever. But the caption on it, killed me and uh, i screen capped it and said it's my brother but it was literally the caption to try and get you hooked was no one has ever made that dunk (laughs) (laughs) cool and there was another one where like you have to like hit baseballs and like you like hit the baseball like over like cities and the caption i've seen that one yeah the caption nobody makes it to the shore or whatever nobody makes it to the ocean almost like Uncle yeah. Rico and Napoleon where he's just, I could have th- thrown a football a quarter mile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to share that news. Your, your boy's done with the box office. So business was too booming. So booming that you got you bought out. Yeah, I sold you, the company off sold- like, like fucking Charlie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All comes back around, baby. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. All right. It's, well, it's- now we're... Now we're really in the trailer park. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh my god! Oh, here he is. He's back. He's back again. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, coming back around and this and that, and how how good the two dudes are at their job, we've got a trailer park unlike any other trailer park, really. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say so. Last week I made a joke. About and by last week I mean for you and I, Colin, like an hour ago. But I made a joke about how last week's movies between the trailer park and the movie we're reviewing are so closely connected 
and it might have been the biggest connection we've ever had. This, mm-hmm. without any sarcasm or, or jokiness involved, this actually is the closest connection we've ever had because it is literally a movie about somebody, like a character, or not a character, a real person who is also portrayed in the movie we're reviewing. Yeah. So, yeah, we've had ones where it's, you know, the same director or, like, same actors and stuff like that, same genre, but this is literally... The same story. A, <laughs> yeah, this is a biopic about one of the characters in the movie that we're going to be talking about today, so... It's perfect. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, today we are talking Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Now, I saw this trailer when I went to see Tenet, and um, Mm -hmm. I usually don't, like, you know, I'll pay attention to the trailers, but, like, I'm usually, like, doing my prep notes, doing, like, stuff on my phone and shit. And um, when that trailer, this trailer started, so I have seen it once before, it grabbed me. I was, like, paying the fuck attention, and we'll talk about it when we start, like, watching it. Like, I'm really, like, looking forward to this almost Almost sold just on the cast alone. If the cast doesn't grab you on its own, I don't know what you know yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, this as it's some of the people that we talk about like the most on this show that like we really like. Oh, maybe not the most, but it's people who come up very often on our show and we've only had like the best notes for them, like the best things to say about them. So that yeah. that piqued my interest like immediately. Yeah, and it's crazy because you know, I watched the trailer and I thought right away, I was like, oh, this looks, I'm like, I'm excited for that. I love the cast on it. I don't know, you know, admittedly, I don't know a ton about the director of the movie, but cast alone, I was into it. And then we'll get into the trailer and stuff, but the trailer looks really cool. But I didn't know anything about the story. Then now watching uh, the trial of the Chicago 7, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I find it very, I don't know if it's like cool or whatever, but like, it's just uh, these two movies coming out so close together. I'm assuming this was even supposed to come out sooner, but it probably got pushed back. Now knowing the story, I think I'm even more excited for this movie. Yeah, like this. Hey, <laughs> Netflix did a great job producing this two-hour-long trailer for this other movie coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine if the Chicago, the trial of the Chicago 7 just ends and it's like coming to a theater in the year 2021. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been good. Like that's the sting at the end of this like hard-hitting courtroom drama based on true events <laughs> exactly you want to get into it yeah let's do it deputy chairman fred hampton of the illinois black panther see that already gets me excited because i love uh daniel kalua repeat after yeah. me i really dig the the set uh the score in this already too yeah that's what i mean like oh and then there's lakeith stanfield mm-hmm This whole scene right away, I'm like, this is what I mean. Like, this trailer started in the theater, and it just grabbed me. Oh, Fat Dana. I was going to say we got Jesse Clemens in this, too. Is that his name? Jesse Clemens, yeah. Okay. Boom. Then they throw Ryan Coogler's name on the screen for you. Granted, he's the producer, but yeah. Right. Years for impersonating a federal officer. Or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn all that I can. These ain't no terrorists. 
You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. God damn it, he's so good. Like, even just from this trailer, like... There was a controversy about him taking this role, which I thought was kind of stupid. Really? Yeah, because he's British, he's not... He's not American. So what? I love the score on this trailer. I hope this is what the music and the movie sounds like. Me too. So much of that. So much. That is a perfect fucking trailer. Like, so rarely do we get blessed with a trailer that, like, does a good job getting me excited and gives you story without overexposing what the whole movie is going to be about. I mean, granted, it being a biopic, like, you could... You could spoil the ending for yourself if you go and look up like what happens to this guy, but this or watch the Chicago Seven, <laughs> or, yeah, or watch the Trials of Chicago Seven. But this does such a good job getting me like fucking into it. Like you said, the music is like on point. Uh, Daniel Kalu is just bringing some fucking energy into into that scene that because they're pretty much only showing that one scene, like him in the church, like giving that speech. But it's just like. There's so much like emotion and power in his performance just in what they showed you that I'm just like, whoa, like I bet you it's gonna be I mean, he's a great actor. Lakeith Stanfield is a great actor. Like mm -hmm. I I don't want to get my hopes up for this. Like, because normally we try to go into these things kind of with just medium expectations and hoping it'll blow us away. But yeah. um but this I'm like like, I really, I think this is going to be good. Like, I'm going to put it down now. I think it's going to be good. I hope that it is. I'm going to go in and just, you know, if it's not good, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say that it is just so I was right here. But this actually has me excited. This is probably like, in terms of like movies I didn't know were coming, like before the year, like this is one where I'm like looking out for it. Like, I want to see this as soon as it comes out. Yeah. Again, I'm really excited for it, too. I think this looks really good. Also, knowing a little bit about the story, because I did some research, there are things in this movie that it looks like they're going to be very true. Like, I don't think there's going to be stuff that gets spun a little bit, and we'll talk about that with the Trial of the Chicago 7. There's some things that are fabricated for the movie, but this looks like they're they're doing it very true. It's a story that I don't think a lot of people know, so, you know, it's great that they're shedding light on, on it, but... uh. You know, it, it looks like there's style to it. The acting is great. Again, I said three times already, I really like the score. The cast is great. So I'm excited. The only thing that, like, would give me pause is just the director-writer. And not to say that they do anything bad. It's just that they don't have a ton of experience in, act like, film. Mm -hmm. So Shaka King is the director on this movie. He's only ever done one feature film before this. It was a film called Newlyweds that came out, I think, like, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, I don't know it. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it. I looked up the scores on it. It's like I think it's very like middle of the pack. Like it's like a C or whatever. So I don't I don't think it's it's great. And you know, the writer hasn't done anything in terms of a feature film before either, but he has credits, uh Will Barrison, he has credits on some pretty big shows, including like Scrubs and uh um like Rested Development. Granted, I don't know if he was a writer on those. But he's been involved in some big TV shows and stuff like that. So, you know, that would be the only th thing that I'm concerned about. But I would also think that 
if they were getting these big name actors. We didn't even mention this because he's on the trailer. Lil Rel Howery is also in this movie. He's not on IMDb. He doesn't have like a character name yet, but he's listed as part of the the cast. And then like Martin Sheen's in this also. So I think if you're getting all these people that are that are like you know coming up and blowing up really because I mean Daniel Kaluuya is he is I would say he's huge now after Get Out and you know Black Panther and stuff he's he's doing great and like he's Stanfield also so I'm excited for it yeah I didn't even know about Lil Rel Howery like I, I don't did I miss him like what or did they not really I don't show think him they, I, I don't think they show him in the trailer but like okay on, if you go on IMDb look up the cast he, he's in the movie he's one of the top build people he's like fifth on the list or something I mean that's good that's good there's a lot of there's a lot of Get Out in there yeah but mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that but yeah <laughs> yeah a little reunion for all three of them I don't want to say too much about it just because it'll spoil some of the movie we're going to review. It wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't know anything about it. Saw the trailer. I'm really excited. Now it's, you know, if we do a most anticipated of 2021, it might be, it'll probably like top 10 for 2021. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. uh, No question. Especially, well, I mean, I guess it depends because all these 2020 movies are going to come out in 2021 so like it might slide down the list just by virtue of like being stacked next to like dune black widow and stuff like that i was uh i was gonna say top five but then i thought about it i was like no we because we still have a quiet place too and dune and and eternals and blackwood so but yeah like this is i think at least right now top 10 for for me you know yeah i think that's safe top 10 easy but it's deservedly so in like a place for anticipation like yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And you know what? Maybe the fact that the director writer aren't very um like they don't have enough to really tell you that they're going to be bad, but they also don't have enough to like sell you the movie, you know? Like mm-hmm. this might be something where if they're really passionate about the content and they want to do a good job, I mean, they got legit people on, like people who do great work as actors i feel like i trust their judgment so far like i haven't seen any of them take a huge misstep like sorry to bother you is very weird but i wouldn't say it's like a misstep in lakeith stanfield's career at all because i think he's great in it and i think there's a lot of that movie that is good but like i kind of trust the actor's judgment that if they signed on for a role like this especially in like a political climate that it is what it is and then this movie is so um, like socially charged, I feel like there must be something in that script or there must be something about that production that they saw all of the value in and were just like, yeah, I really want to be a part of this. So I'm kind of trusting their judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. <laughs> I, I had nothing else to say about it. I, I, no, I just, I agree completely. So perfect. So uh, you want to get out of this trailer park? Yeah. Let's get out. Let's get, whoa. You see that? Let's get out. Let's get out. Wait, wow. wait, who should get out? Are you talking about us? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, there's there's people involved in the movie we're about to talk about that were in us. So, Ew, how did they get in us? Watch the video. <laughs> oh, you took a video. Good. Yeah, a little infomercial. I would start in an infomercial. You would, would you? Yeah, why not? Think, oh my god, put me in, really put me in, one. put me in there with the magic bullet. I can act just as surprised as anybody. Have you ever seen the magic bullet infomercial? That's the whipping blade. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also the lady who's there, like, I think she's like just wearing a nightgown and smoking cigarettes. 
the whole like swear to god like she's do you remember she might not have been smoking cigarettes but she's definitely like in a nightgown and she's like a sassy like older like brooklyn lady mm-hmm. she's like you're telling me all of the tomatoes are gonna get choppy choppied <laughs> like, and they're just like yes barbara so it's like an australian guy right barbara yeah barbara <laughs> They gotta fucking whip up all the tomatoes. <laughs> this is, I remember watching that and being like, "Holy shit, this thing is the future!" But then when I like thought about, it, I'm like, "He's just grinding up cheese and making a quesadilla." <laughs> yeah, it's it's a blender. It's a very it's yeah. a tiny blender. I have a mini magic bullet in the other room that I use for smoothies, that's like single I, yeah, serving we, smoothies. That's what uh, I used to do. I had a magic bullet, make smoothies with it. It would work fine. Yeah, it's just fine. Yeah. And it doesn't last long. There's there's a few infomercials that are like, um, remember Slap Chop? Oh, Slap Chop, that guy. That's the ShamWow guy did Slap Chop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ShamWow guy also went to jail. I know. What a sweet dude. <laughs> and then Billy Mays, rest in peace. R.I.P. Billy Mays. Yeah. Oh, man. He was a big one for the infomercial wars. <laughs> I love Flex Seal. Flex seal, I think, is hilarious. Yeah. It's like, if you're out in the ocean and your boat springs a leak, smack some flex seal on it. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's like, a fix-all. It's what, great. What's, how common is that, like, that they're going to advertise to, like, ocean-bound sailboat riders? <laughs> yeah. Very big market. Very big market. You could flex seal your dog. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, great segue into this, this <laughs> courthouse this, drama. This very serious <laughs> movie. Yeah. I had heard really good things about this. You know, we were talking about it, uh, what episodes we could do in the future or whatever. And I said, I was like, I've heard the trial of Chicago 7 is, is actually really good. But top of the list, I think the selling point for anybody should be Aaron Sorkin is like, this is his movie. Funny thing about you saying that this should be the, like the big selling point. It got to the end of the movie and it said directed by Aaron Sorkin. And I went, oh, it all made <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> but like, I didn't know that going into it. But as soon as I saw it, I'm like, of course it was. Yeah. I mean, I think a big portion of that is that like we didn't see trailers for it. Like, it just, you know, <laughs> yeah, it just showed up. Yeah. Actually, I think two weeks ago I had mentioned the only other movie that he's directed. He's only directed this movie and Molly's game. And Molly's game, I I think it's a really solid movie. The dialogue is great. Um, I felt like it was a little underappreciated the year that it came out, but uh, I really like that movie. But he's got a few other movies that are like possibly like again, we keep mentioning our top fifty or whatever like that. I love the social network. I think the social network is amazing. He's yeah, the writer on that movie. Really good. And I love Moneyball also. He's the writer on Moneyball. But like oh. a calling card of his entire career is phenomenal dialogue he's up there with like his dialogue's always really snappy and quick and everything and yeah a lot of conversations while walking down hallways exactly <laughs> that's like a big thing in his movies yeah because he also wrote that show the newsroom on hbo and that show's really good is it or at least the first season i yeah. don't know if they went on after that i think they did he also did steve jobs and like a few good men was like his like breakout movie and stuff like that but uh social network and moneyball for me i'm just like okay yeah i'm here like, I, I love those two movies. And I think this movie has a good amount of similarities to The Social Network. 
Really? Um, okay. I can kind of see that. I think, um, I think some of like the lighting and like some of the, just like, like the shots are very like similar. And like, I think there's, I think it looks and feels very similar. I, I agree with that, but also, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the trailer park. There are changes made to the stories for writing purposes. And we'll get to that like later on, but, uh, the social network tells a story a certain way and leaves out certain information and adds certain characters to push like the story along in a, in a way that it wants it being told. Mm-hmm. The same thing's done in this movie. Okay. Like very similar. So, um, and we'll get to that, but I think, I think the social network and the trial of the Chicago seven have a, from a writing standpoint, have a lot of similarities, but getting onto the cast, I think this is the biggest ensemble cast this year. It's not my favorite, but I think this is possibly the biggest. Yeah. Well, do we do something? We did something recently where we were like, whoa, the this devil ens- all the time is my favorite. Like that's yeah. my favorite ensemble cast of the year. Yeah. This but, is probably bigger than. Yeah. So I was trying to, I couldn't remember which movie we had mentioned the ensemble for, but yeah, this is definitely more people, more players. Mm-hmm. Eddie Redmayne. He plays Tom Hayden. I don't want to talk bad about it. I don't really know why he blew up, but he he blew up. He's Les Mis, the Theory of Everything, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, last week we mentioned Claymation. He was an early man. Like, okay. been in a lot lately. Alex Sharp, he plays Randy Davis. He was in one of my favorite movies from last year, The Hustle. Okay. <laughs> I fucking hated that movie. Uh, like SBC. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. is in this movie. Yeah, he plays Abby Hoffman. Uh, obviously we mentioned everything last week before I lay Miss Sweeney Todd Hugo. He's in this, uh, Jeremy strong. We talked about him this year with the gentleman. He plays Jerry Rubin. I mm-hmm. uh, also know him from the big short in Molly's game, Detroit zero dark 30, the judge, this a lot movie of good, feels a lot of good movies yeah. on his resume. I was going to say this movie, like out of everyone in the cast, like this movie feels so up his wheelhouse, like the things that he excels in. I'm just like, yeah, like, Makes, makes so much sense that Jeremy Strong would be in this movie. John Carroll Lynch, he plays David Dellinger. Uh, you might know him from The Founder or Zodiac or The Highwayman, which came out last year, Fargo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably butcher his name, but Yucca Abdul-Mateen II plays Bobby Seal. I feel like he is someone that, in the same vein as a lot of the people we were just talking about, like Lakeith Stanfield and, I mean, even, even up-and-comers like... Uh, Noah Jupe. I mean, he's much younger and stuff like that, but people that you, you don't really know, but people to definitely look out for, I think he's right up there because he's in the greatest showman and Aquaman, but he was in us, uh, you know, small part. Mm-hmm. And then he's in Candyman coming out. He's in the matrix four coming out and he is in the next Mad Max movie. Oh, cool. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's three really big movies that he's, he's in. This guy's about to blow up. Mark Rylance plays William Kunstler. Uh, you, you know him from Ready Player One or Dunkirk, uh, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he plays Richard Schultz. Uh, yeah, this is, I think, the third movie that he's been in this year because he's in Project Power and then uh, 7500, The Walk, Wind Rises, Inception, and all that. Mm. Ben Schenkman, he plays uh, Leonard Wineglass from Blue Valentine. Frank Lagella plays The Judge. I think it's Julius Hoffman, but you probably know him from Draft Day and... Uh, Frost Nixon, Red Dragon, and Michael Keaton. Surprise, didn't know he was in this movie. Uh, he plays Ramsey Clark, and you probably know him from Birdman and the Founder and Beetlejuice and all that. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I love the cast. Michael Keaton is is actually like one of the lowest build people on this movie. So that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, but also like, yeah, because I think that's mostly because of like 
he's he only shows up for like two scenes. Yeah, but that's like, you know, you have someone of his caliber showing up for like two scenes like later on in the movie and stuff, you know? That being said, when he showed up, I was like, awesome. I love Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like a spoiler or anything, but like at first I'm just like, oh no, is he like a dick? And then like, because <laughs> then I was just like, man, this sucks because like I love Michael Keaton, so I really want to love his character. But if his character is like a piece of shit, then I'm going to be like, oh man, I guess I hate him. But then... Mm-hmm. um Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's <laughs> fucking awesome in this movie. Every second of him, I was just like, in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fuck yes. Yeah, me too. Guy's a hero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michael Keaton, not the guy he was playing. I was going to say, Michael Keaton is a hero until he's Vulture. Right. Ah. <laughs> um, what's with him be- being bird characters also? I just thought about it. Vulture and Birdman. Yeah. And Batman has wings. He just likes winged characters that he gets to play. <laughs> That's it's crazy too when he left the courthouse and he flew out of the roof. Yeah, and he <laughs> got out of there. Felt crazy. Felt very out of left field, but we should all expect it at this point. Um, I don't know where you want to start with this. I didn't know a ton about the movie. I knew a little bit about the the trial, but again, for me. I think the big selling point was that Aaron Sorkin was the writer and director on it. It was his vision. Apparently he's been trying to get this movie like made for like 10 years. So it's obviously something that he's been wanting to do, but right off the hop, man, love the dialogue, love the opening sequence of the movie. I think it set the tone really early on and Mm -hmm. I was in it like way to suck you in right from the get go. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, you see the production value immediately in this, but also like, the style of storytelling I re- like really resonated with me. Like I really liked how information was presented and you kind of get a taste of that really early on where mm-hmm. it's, it's very much, it's not very like just straightforward from a point to B point and then so on and so forth in a straight line. Like this doesn't feel like a Netflix movie at all, which maybe that's something we say later, later on, but like that's something that like immediately when I started watching it, I was just like, there's a lot of production value in this movie. This is not just a Netflix movie. Maybe if I knew it was an Aaron Sorkin film, I would have expected that. But going into yeah. it blindly, just thinking, oh, it's just a Netflix movie, you know? It has some good actors, yeah. but it's still a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. I was watching, and I was like, oh, shit, this is like a fucking movie. Like, this is a movie. Yeah. I'm assuming, didn't look it up, but I'm assuming that this was a film that Netflix purchased because of uh, the virus. Because uh, as far as like production companies, uh, DreamWorks, Paramount, and Amblin are all attached to this movie. Like, there's no way right. this movie wasn't supposed to go to theaters. Right. Yeah. I re- I I recognized that when I was coming in, uh, when it, it started up, I was like, oh, like this is made by real studios. Like, this isn't because yeah. no, Netflix movies just be like maybe a couple production team, small time, ta- yeah. small potato shit. But it really just comes up as like Netflix presents or ne- a movie mm-hmm. by Netflix, whatever the fuck they say. Yeah, this might be the start of like the quote unquote like Oscar movies from Netflix. Yeah, we had mentioned it last week just about how like Oscar talk might pick pick up in terms of things. This feels out of everything we've seen so far this year, with maybe the exception of one movie for me that I don't think you've watched. For me, this feels like the most I don't want to say Oscar bait because I feel like Oscar bait has a negative connotation to it. But I can just I can definitely see this being nominated for multiple things this is i yeah. think the first movie that i'm like yeah this has the makings of something that'll be like nominated for like five oscars or something like that yeah now i don't know if that would have 
definitely held up against other competition. Like, if we put it up against, like, last year's movies, I don't know if it would have garnered the same level, but definitely worthy of being on a short list for nominations. And especially for a year with, like, no movies, like, I I can see this being nominated for a Best Picture, because why not? I think... You know, especially now that they take like nine best picture noms or whatever, you know, however it works. I think that in a normal year it could have competed for. And I think in a normal year, adapted screenplay, it would have been it would have been in. But I also think this year you probably have a shot at maybe costume because they do a really good job of setting like the the time and period based on the clothing in this. Yeah. But also I think and granted, there's a lot of characters and it. I don't even know if you can necessarily say that one person is the main character, but there's really strong performances in this movie and we'll get to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? Let's hit on the acting because you mentioned the strong performances across the board. You got a large ensemble, a lot of people who are notable and everything, but I didn't feel like anybody was lacking. Like I was, I was really like interested in who these characters were. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked that. I think, um, Sasha Baron Cohen, which we mentioned on last week's episode because we talked about him with Borat. I'm like, he is so much better than just the Borat character. Like, he's he is a really good actor. Like, I really enjoyed his performance in this. I feel like every time he was delivering lines or he was, like, a part of the scene, like, he was really captivating, and I think his performance is really strong. Mm-hmm. Also, his character brought, like, the most, like, levity to the situation. Uh, yeah. Just because, like, the way he was handled. But, like, at no points did it seem like he was being stupid. Like, he wasn't, it wasn't, like, dumb humor. Like, he's very sharp. He's very smart. But he's sarcastic. He's, like, an asshole or whatever, you know? Like, so, like, I really liked that. Like, they didn't they didn't play him to just be a goofy silly hippie cuz i'm i'm assuming that that's not how the real person was either like i'm i'm sure yeah. i'm sure they took liberties because they had Sasha Baron Cohen or they were able to make him a little bit more amplified maybe maybe a little bit funnier or quicker or wittier i don't know i don't know enough about the original the real guy they um i was going to say they take a few minor liberties but actually that person was that way and it, it seems like because there's like the part in the movie where um they show up and, and they're mocking the judge by wearing robes basically yeah that was funny and then, I they, liked that. and then they take the robes off and they're wearing like the cop outfit yeah so in real life they wore robes to the trial to mock him like they were pretty over the top with it because they wanted it to be like you know everyone to see it make you know make a statement but yeah. they didn't have the they didn't have the cop outfit on afterwards so that's like something that they just played along with to maybe just exaggerate it slightly more and, and add a little bit more comedic punch to it yeah but yeah it's they you know i feel like and again i don't know the people personally or anything like that but like <laughs> like i from information we have it seems like they they were pretty close to you know how the people actually were actually uh, Sasha Baron Cohen looks a lot like the the actual person too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to get cast. You just look like the person. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to get the job. But yeah, like him. And like another cool thing is that like, well, one, I guess it's part of the virtue of what the whole the whole issue with the trial is. It's like they're trying everybody like as a conspiracy, but like that's not 
what happened and that's not how it went down. So mm-hmm. it's like all the people who are on trial, like th- this group, they all bring something different to the table. They have very different personalities. Like nobody feels like they're just a carbon copy, even though uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is teamed up like him and his friend who are on trial. Like, yeah, they're both hippies. Yeah. They, they're friends and like they work closely together, but like at no, in no way do they feel like they are a copy of each other. Like it doesn't feel like it's just like, here's, here's the two hippies for the movie and they both act like hippie. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they have their own personalities. They have their own character development, mm-hmm. like separate from each other. So I think um, Aaron Sorkin's always been really good at taking care and making sure that like he's creating unique characters. I will say slight negative, but hardly. Um, and I think it's just by virtue of having a movie with so many characters and so many moving parts mm-hmm. is you're right. It doesn't feel like there is like a main character to the movie. Like it, it doesn't feel like there's, um, there's like a ton of focus. Like it, 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 the focus is the trial. Like the trial is the main character in the movie really. Yeah. But there's just something weird about that aspect where it just feels like when it comes time when you're watching these characters, it's just like, I I don't know. Like there's just something, there's something about the cohesiveness of it that I feel like is a little bit weak, just barely, barely. But like, there's just something that left me like kind of lacking where I was just like, I don't know, something something tethering me to the characters or the characters better to each other or something. But it almost felt like there's just like these simultaneous stories happening alongside each other. Yeah, I think the intent was, you know, in real life, they were just called like the Chicago 7. I think at the beginning of the movie, it's mentioned that they call them, what, what do they say their name was? He calls them the... um it's not like the party boys or something like that, but he, he basically the, the government had kind of like come up with a name for all of them. Cause they were oh, all yeah, like, like the, the school like, boys or something. School, yeah. Something like that. So I think like in this movie, they almost try and make it so like they're the group of them is a character, but then as the film plays along, they each get their own moment to kind of um, have an arc. And right. I think there's a few characters that actually get really good arcs to them. And a lot of that comes down to the way this, the movie's structured, but just based on like acting, totally agree. Uh, I think there's like maybe three or four people that really steal the show in this out of everybody. But Sasha Baron Cohen is great in the movie. Yeah. For me, like we've been saying it, he's excellent. At everything. This was just another thing that I was like, yeah, he's awesome. Eddie Redmayne though. I had mentioned earlier Mm-hmm. Eddie Redmayne kind of blew up and uh, you know, he was in like, like I said earlier, like he, I think a lot of people know him from fantastic beasts, but right. he's been in a lot of other things. Eddie Redmayne was someone that like started getting tons of work and it wasn't that I thought he was bad, but it wasn't something where I, I felt like I'd seen him do something awesome. And it was like, Oh yeah. Like it makes sense. That's why he's blowing up. It was just like, he was in things that I was like, yeah, he's like, good but like that's it you know right i thought he was really good in this oh yeah for sure yeah like this i actually think is like the best thing he's been in and this is the type of thing that i would have expected him to be in like six years ago and it's like yeah he did that movie now look at all the work he's getting but uh yeah i think he's great in this yeah jeremy strong 
as uh, Jerry Rubin. I thought he was great. He has a like a good story arc, but it kind of happens with get we'll get to it some characters that aren't necessarily real. But uh, Frank Langella as the uh, the judge is he not the best villain of 2020? Oh, he's such a cock. Yeah, he's like, such a cock. Like if if you're just going off of all the movies that we've had. I don't know if I hated a character more than his character this year. He's so frustrating. And I think it's amplified too, not only because like we as the audience are on the side of the Chicago seven, but their, their defense attorney, the guy from ready player one, I can never remember the actor's name, but Uh, Mark Rylance. Okay, cool. So (laughs) he is so likable. I liked his character so much. And like, I, I thought he did an, another really good job. Like he was awesome. Like loved loved his character, um, mm-hmm. both as the way it's performed and as the way it's written. Like he's just such a good guy. What a what a cool guy. <laughs> and uh, so then you have him going up against, and he's just so not, like he's working so hard for all of the right reasons and he's doing everything he should be doing. He's not working outside the lines of the law. Like he's being, he's being the best lawyer in the room and he's just getting just railed by this fucking judge who is literally breaking the law to just like willy nilly bend the rules for the court. Like, Oh my God, I hated, hated the judge. Love the guy who who invented the Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was at the end of the movie. That was like the, you know, after these events, this is what happened to him. It's like William Kunstler went on to create the world's biggest VR video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all your Steven uh, Spielberg needs. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I th- I thought he was great. I I definitely agree. And then. Yeah, Abdul Mateen also. Um, he doesn't have like a ton of dialogue, but like I felt like some of his moments were the most powerful moments in the movie. Like what he does oh, in yeah. the delivery of his dialogue is just is excellent. Again, I said it earlier, he's he's gonna blow up if he hasn't already. He's excellent. If we want to just go off the characters and you know, we're talking about the how good the actors were. The structure of the movie, I really Loved. I thought the, I think the structure of the movie is is excellent. Hell yeah! And you know the reason being the movie's called the Trial of the Chicago Seven. I think a lot of people going into this movie would assume that they would show the events leading up to the trial, but the movie essentially starts up with the trial yeah. and they reveal the events of the riots and everything throughout the movie in a way that reveals things about your character and right. very smart. Some that are. Yeah, there's some that are really like in particular Eddie Redmayne's is done oh, really well because that's you the get best a great out of reveal. all of them. That scene, yeah. whoa, that scene when he's being interrogated by his own defense attorney, like in the room, like he's like, "All right, fine, let's practice. I'll I will be the uh, prosecution." Mm-hmm. That was an awesome scene. Loved that. And then like, and then you have character development not only from him but between him and Sasha Baron Cohen's character and like their relationship. Like I feel like there's so much, yeah, there's so much packed into that scene alone that I was just like, Whoa, this is fucking good. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about it and you know, the movie starts and I was like, is the whole movie going to be a courthouse drama? 
and it it kind of is. And at first, I was a little worried about that because I, for me, like there are some courthouse dramas that I like, but in general, like, like liar, like, liar, exactly. Like liar, liar is like prime example of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, Marshall that came out a few years ago okay. with uh, Chadwick Boseman, yeah. Rest in Peace. That movie, I I enjoyed that movie, but I didn't I didn't love that movie. And for me, like seeing uh, all these people's names on this movie, I was like, oh, is it going to be like, is it going to be something that is almost a letdown for me just based on how many people are, that I like are in this movie? But it's just, it's, you know, just in the court the entire time. And I, I feel like the way that they play everything out is done so smart. It's like we say it, it's finessed way more than a normal courthouse drama. And again, like it just accentuates the story. It, it makes uh, big surprises for you. And then the way it reveals information about your character, you know, is just awesome. Just great job all around. The writing for me across the board is the best part of the movie. Yeah, 100%. Like, I honestly don't even have anything to add because, like, you just, like, nailed, like, all of the points I would have made about it, too. Because, like, <laughs> like uh, this one of my early notes is, like, I love the storytelling structure. Like, the structure of this movie is brilliant. That goes... That goes to directing and to writing, um, being able to, because that's another thing is like writing it is one thing, but be, to be able to like get it from the script to the screen and be able to tell the story the same way that you wanted to, like on the page, like I think that's what's really good about like having like a writer director sometimes, but mm-hmm. yeah, like this thing felt, it felt like it was one idea. Like, like you can, you can tell that, he knew what he wanted to do with it. He knew how he wanted to tell the story. And I think he did a really good job executing the vision. Aaron yeah. Sorkin, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I completely agree. I was, I was really impressed. And I, like I said, it, that's his calling card. He's, he's always got, you know, great dialogue. He's, he's always got really good scripts and uh, screenplays for movies, but I, somehow, even though I shouldn't have been, I was just like, holy shit, th- like this is written so well. Yeah. This isn't really a positive or a negative because I can, I feel like you can justify it. Similar to the social network, this is me come bringing this back around. Similar to the social network, there are things that happen in this movie that aren't true. They're not huge things that are going to change the way, like, you know, we mentioned last week with Borat, it's through a certain lens and they're trying to hammer home a message from a certain side or anything like that. I don't feel that way with this. Yes, it's done from a certain side, but it feels like they're more so just telling you the facts about something, but there are certain things that they added into the movie to just maybe get you a little bit more of like an emotional payoff for a section. So Hmm. for like example, in the social network, his girlfriend, which ends up being like, um, you know, a big, big character in the movie in terms of like what he does to her to make you feel better. Like, like she's, she's not real. And then in this movie, there are certain things like the, um, undercover FBI agent, right. That gets, um, Jeremy strong, the drink. She, that like, that's not a real person. So there's, there's different things in the movie, the climax of the movie, which we'll get to where like they read out like the people's names and stuff like that. Like that didn't actually happen. Like it, sort of did but it it happened like four months before the end of the trial <laughs> oh and, damn uh, 
And um, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character mm-hmm. is almost completely different. There are certain events with him. Apparently, his that Richard Schultz in real life was much more... Like, they soften his character in this movie. Yeah. But in real life, he was apparently much more of a douche. <laughs> and, uh, like, there's, like, the part in the movie where they restrain a character. Like, we can... Make, Maybe catch right. that later. I don't want to spoil it. But then, like Joseph Gordon Levitt gets up and he's like, "Hey, uh, this isn't right. You got to uh, like, we can't have this." Basically, that didn't happen in real life. Uh, actually, they left that person restrained for three days before. I think it was actually the state was like, "No, you can't do that." Wow. Yeah. See, I feel so they, like I feel like they should have kept that truth in because that's way more. One, it's way more fucked up, but it's, like, just way more powerful to be, like, yeah, look at this. Like, everybody just allowed this to happen for this long. Yeah. I think the point of it, like, why they did it a certain way was I don't think they wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character to be... I think they wanted the judge to kind of be the main foil because that was also the thing is after the trial ended, like, uh, Richard Schultz, like, the, uh, the, the lawyer, he's just doing his job. And he feels a certain way, but in real life, he's just doing his job that he was appointed to do. And then in this movie, he has um, apprehensions about the, I guess, like the morality of the trial or really what they're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. The judge is the real villain of the movie. And in real life, after this trial, he was deemed like incompetent and lost his job. Like good. He, yeah, he he's the real asshole of the movie. So I think what they wanted to do is they wanted to make they wanted to humanize the lawyer a little bit more in terms of like he's just a cog in the machine that's forced to do something. You know okay. what I mean? I get it as like a storytelling thing, but like I don't know. I feel like when th- when you have like a topic like like this, like with such sensitivity, it's like why not why not hit for the hardest, the nastiest fucking thing, which is the truth. Like the truth is so much harsher and I mean, I guess on one hand, you have to be careful with it being like exploitative or exploitative mm-hmm. of um, of the character that that the restraining is happening to and stuff like that. But I feel like that's a much harsher mirror to make people look at and be like, yeah, don't forget, like, not only did this happen, but it was allowed to continue to happen for three days before somebody was able to step in and be like, hey, you can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, I guess that in terms of a movie, it makes sense that they only need one villain. But I mean, that's a shitty thing about just life in general. But guess what? Sometimes the stories, there's no heroes, but there is a bunch of villains. Yeah. Well, like, I think, I don't know how to word this. I don't want it to seem like I'm like leaning one way or another. But I think in general in this movie, I think they wanted to... Obviously, you're rooting for the the seven of them because they they really shouldn't be there. But I think they they wanted to kind of give you reason and possibly doubt certain characters at times and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they wanted you to, like, kind of bounce around. Like, that's why they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt a little bit. They they toned him down and gave him some, like, morality or whatever. And uh, because, like, also, this didn't happen in real life. Uh, the character that John Carroll Lynch plays, David Dellinger, he punches a guard in the courthouse at one part. Yeah, that didn't happen in real life either. Of course not. <laughs> so it's like, too, it's too movie. It's too too much movie. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. Like, I think there's reasons why, from a, like a writing standpoint, why you would do that for a movie. But um, 
and what I was saying with the trailer park, it, it looks like this movie, along with the social network, has some um, exaggeration to it that makes it more cinematic. Um, and then in terms of like Judas and the Black Messiah, it looks just from the trailer, it looks like it's a lot more true to what actually happened in real life. So like for me, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, okay, that, that didn't actually happen, but I think the story is improved by it. So it's not a negative or a positive. It's just when you watch the movie, maybe after the fact, like do a little bit of research or watch a video on YouTube or whatever, just about like the differences. Cause not everything in the movie is hundred percent true to what actually happened. Right. But in the grand scheme of the things, uh, I think the things that at least, even though they added stuff that didn't happen, they didn't add anything that would drastically alter. No, they didn't. The story, like how you should feel about the case or like they didn't alter like crucial information Mm -hmm. about the case. So I think they did a good job like being sensitive to that and not altering something that might be, that would skew the truth. Like I agree. I feel like they, they showed you what really happened in terms of what was of importance. And then they like messed with some of the, like the minor, more minor details. They added a flair or whatever him punching that, that guy in the courthouse doesn't, it doesn't take away or add anything to the ideas being presented both by the message of the story and by uh, the truth of the events that happened in real life in terms of like the riot um, their all of their involvement in in their like various organizations and then their involvement in the trial. I agree. That's why I said, I think if they were making up things that were like going to change the way you felt, like I think the, the feeling that you get is the way that it, sh- it should be. Like they don't fabricate anything that completely changes the truth. I think right. they just add minor things. So yeah, I they're can, not rewriting I history. They're just yeah. mm-hmm. spicing up the story. Yeah. I have a couple negatives, but what do you, I feel like I've been talking a ton. What do you got to touch on? Um, it's hard because I don't have like a ton of negatives. Like I think it's, um, I don't know. It's weird watching, uh, cause we did, we did Borat too last week. We talked about like, uh, just how politically charged that is. This is obviously politically charged. There's just something weird. And I know you said earlier that Aaron Sorkin has been like trying to make this movie for like 10 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Doesn't something just feel wrong about how, how perfectly timed certain movies come out in conjunction with real life events? Like I feel like this movie, although it, it's, you know, not taking place in modern times and it's a retail, you know, it's a, it's an accounting of something that actually happened in our history, mm-hmm. but it feels so pertinent now. Yeah. It almost feels like it was on purpose to be released now, but it's like, then how could you, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy guy. So I, I, I'm like even nervous to even put that train of thought out there and people would be like, it's a big conspiracy. They started the, they started these riots now so they could sell these movies. Cause, but, <laughs> but like you see it, right? Like we have a year where there's like, you know, these serious, serious riots and these serious issues, um, with, uh, police brutality. And now we have a bunch of movies about race and riots and police brutality 
and we have like when the pandemic started, we had like a whole documentary series about a virus and about pandemics. And like, so do I believe that, you know, this stuff is manufactured? No, but it's just something feels so dirty about the fact that these movies and TV shows are hot in the chamber and coming out right on the heels of very real things that are happening in our lives. And it almost just feels like it's capitalizing on modern tragedies. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like in some ways, I shouldn't even say, I, I feel like a lot of these movies, because I felt the same way about when, when Detroit came out. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this movie is taking events from, you know, uh, 40, 50 years ago or whatever, and it feels super relevant. Like, it, it shows you, like, we really haven't, like, changed that much over that, that course of time. Mm-hmm. And, but I think what it really is, is just that these issues are just always still prevalent. Yeah. So a movie, so a movie comes out and it, and it just, uh, based on the events that are happening at the time, which are always happening, it just makes you feel like it's like, I, I'm thinking back to like the last like five or six years. And I just feel like there's a lot of movies that are even similar to this. And even then when they came out, I was just like, wow, this is really relevant. And I just think it's just the state of our country. (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe that's what's actually upsetting me is that it's just, this movie could have been, because I, I'll even listening to stand up, like I'll listen to, I'll put on like somebody's stand up special from like 2015, and they're making, yeah. they're, you know, they're talking about police brutality or police shootings and stuff. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, this is so on the nose for what's going on right now. But I know for a fact that this happened five, six, seven years ago. And so yeah. maybe that's what's upsetting. It's like, you know what? You could make this movie any year and it would be relevant because the shit is still going on. But like, because I, like I'd wondered, I was like, I wonder if any of this, like, I didn't know how much of it was fabricated for the movie sake, for cinema sake uh, versus what actually happened. But like, I was almost thinking like, I wonder if they went back and re- like, they were working on this movie, then stuff happened in real life. And they were like, well, you know what? Let's, let's take some details that have happened in real life and add them to this movie as just like a sign of just like some sort of way to connect it with like modern. So like audience will watch it and be like, Holy shit. Like that stuff happened. Like I'm thinking about like when the cops are taking off their badges in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I wonder if that is like a commentary on, um, when like police were like in these cities, like quote unquote handling rioters and, uh, really, you know, all the arguments between like antagonizing protesters and things like that. But then like they had their badges covered or they had them like blacked out. Like they put black tape on the badges so you couldn't identify them. Yeah. And I wondered, I was like, I wonder if that was always part of the script. I wonder if that actually happened to the Chicago seven. Like, was that part of the trial or, um, was that something that they added to kind of connect it to modern issues? Yeah. I don't, I think that, it happened beforehand. Like I have no idea of knowing if maybe during all the time that they've had the movie, because the movie has been done for a little while. They actually filmed this movie, I guess a full year ago, mm. like a year and a half ago. So they filmed it a while. They fin- filmed it before all the, the George Floyd stuff and all that. Um, yeah. But uh, again, that's why I think it might just be, that's the state of our country and all that. But uh, 
the script was written in 2007. Wow. And obviously, obviously I'm sure that they, they changed things around and stuff, but Sorkin was the writer on it. He had written the movie and Spielberg was the director on it originally. And yeah. And then in 2007, I think Spielberg dropped out and then, uh, he just decided to be the director in 2018. And then they started like script was written. They started filming in fall of 2019. So a year ago, Hmm. I don't know how much they changed again. They have, I'm sure there's, there's certain things that you're like, Oh, I don't have all the actors here, but I can change this one scene or I can have this person voice this over. So maybe they changed some stuff, but I feel like in general, this movie is probably just like relevant because it's always been that way. <laughs> Damn. That's horrible. I mean, it's good for the movie, I guess, to be, to be able to be relevant and to be shedding light on like a very important issue that a lot of people um, either are not aware of or they're just not concerned with because it doesn't directly affect their life. But mm-hmm. I think this movie has like a really strong message or very important message. But I'll also, it's just, it's such a shame that, that this movie could be still relevant and things that we see in this movie that happened, whatever, 50 years ago, 60 years ago are still happening today. And it's shit that's been happening for like hundreds of years, but yeah, man, I, I think that might just be it. But because I didn't I I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this is really relevant. But I didn't find it exploitive because I, I think I had that like discussion with myself when I saw Detroit. Also, it was like, you know, because if you see a movie come out, unless it's Borat, like <laughs> most of the time that movie was made like a year prior. Right. Or it, or it was written, you know, two years or more at least know, down the line. Like, yeah. Um, so, and, and there's a lot of things that I think people, you know, you've seen it with studios and stuff, just having their finger kind of on the pulse of like what's happening. And then strangely something comes out where they're able to capitalize on it. I don't, I don't even know if I should say capitalize on it, but just something comes out and it just seems more relevant than ever. But really it's just something that's been talked about. Like, I know they churn these episodes out quick, but I remember, um, when Saddam Hussein died, a South Park episode came out about him like a day later. Yeah. And it was something that was already done. So I was just like, holy shit. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just a product of how our country is and why, why we're feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. But, um, what you said, you had some, uh, some like light negative notes on it. Yeah. They're, they're very light. Most of them, actually one of them doesn't even, I'll just say this, this doesn't affect my grade at all. I hated this, but it's not something that is going to make me change the way I feel about the movie or deduct points or anything. But there is a phenomenal opening sequence to this movie. And then the title card comes up. I fucking hated the title card. Like, hated it. Really? (laughs) Hated it so much. I don't even remember it. It's because, like, the opening sequence is, like, so, like, flawlessly done where it's people are saying a sentence, then it's the next person, it, like it, it cuts great editing. It cuts to the next person and they're finishing their sentence, but it's uh, from their point of view. So it's like you, you get what the person was going to say. So you, it sets up their character, what their views are. And then it cuts to someone else finishing it, but they feel differently. So it sets their character up and it's so excellent. And then it like cuts to uh, like a news channel. And, and they're just like, well, it looks like that the democratic, you know, convention is going to, end up being in like a, you know, a 
in a riot or whatever. And then it's like, and then like, this like, it looks very like newsy and then like the title card comes up and it just, it reminded me of literally just like a like crappy, like news channel, like your local news channel. Like, like <laughs> we're here at the, at the democratic primary. Didn't even, didn't even catch it. I told it totally breezed right by me. I hated it. Like I, I was loving that opening sequence. And then again, like I'm not going to take points off because I didn't like how the title card came up in a movie, but it just, I was just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> did not like that. And then the other two things, they are negatives for me. They're not things that are like going to like destroy the movie from me, but in general, didn't really like the score on the movie. I thought felt like a lot of the music felt pretty generic. Yeah. I can co-sign on that. Generic, yes, but I felt like, you know, tonally it was fitting, but it didn't yeah. sound like anything. Ex- uh, it, did, it wasn't doing anything that, like, you hadn't heard in, like, a hundred other courtroom dramas. Yeah, that was, like, the thing for me is, like, I kept thinking about the music, like, at the beginning, the music at the end that's supposed to be, like, very uplifting or whatever. Felt like I had seen that in, like, every other, like, crowd pleaser movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is which that leads me into like my last negative. Felt like the ending was a little cheese. And I don't even know if cheese is the right word, because they took an event that actually happened and they just moved the timeline around and used it at the end. But what happened to they want the movie to end on on a like triumphant note, even though what's happening to them is is crappy. They wanted to and, you know, eventually, I guess things sort of worked out for them, but still, like, they got convicted and all that. Spoiler. But yeah. uh, the thing for me is they're taking something that is, I don't want to say, like, tragedy, but, like, something that was really horrible in our history and, like, limiting, like, free speech and stuff like that. They take something that, you know, these people didn't get fair treatment in court, and then they try and almost spin the ending of the movie as if it's like a crowd pleaser. Like you'll get up and like cheer type thing. Yeah. And I didn't really appreciate that. It reminded me a little bit of like how green book is like a movie that's um, taking really horrible subject matter and trying to make it a movie where by the end of the movie, you're going to be like cheering, clapping and feel good leaving the theater. And I, I don't know. I just didn't appreciate it. I didn't have like that exact same response to the ending, but the ending was like when it happened, I was just kind of like, huh, <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah, I can tell like they wanted it to be like that uplifting, but like, I didn't, I didn't quantify it like in the same way that you did. Like I didn't think about it as deeply, but that actually is like probably why I reacted the way I reacted because I'm just like, cause you know, the scene, the music, the people standing and clapping, and then, you know, they're doing their, he's reading the names of the, the dead soldiers and it basically in protest of the trial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I guess that's, like, a good moment for his character specifically because he's, like, he had his opportunity to get, like, favored sentencing and stuff like that, and he's like, no, fuck you. Like, I'm going down with everybody the same. Yeah. So I guess, like, that's, like, the victory in that. But, yeah, like... I guess I was just responding to the... Because then while that's happening, they're showing you the text, and it's like, yeah, they all got convicted for five years on a federal crime. And I'm just yeah. like, wait, why is everybody cheering? I'm like, 
they're going to jail. Like they lost like, and not even like they lost. And then it was like repeal. Like they didn't, they didn't get like the, um, like the appeal and get out. And like, it's not like somebody swooped in and it's like, they were arrested for like 60 days before, like, uh, somebody came in and overturned because of how the, the judge was and blah, blah, blah. Like there was no justice. They served time for a thing that they didn't do. Like they served five years and then, and then it's like, everybody's cheering. And then it's just like, Oh, by the way, Sasha Baron Cohen's character killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so, so while, while you see the movie and you hear people cheering and you hear this thing and it's supposed to be this triumphant thing, I'm reading what, what went down. And I'm just like, all of that sounds horrible. The exception of like mm-hmm. the guy, um, uh, Redmayne's character, like I guess he went on to become like uh, somebody in like the California, either like the Senate or something like that, and he was like elected like six times in a row or something. Yeah. So good, good for him and only him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the end just felt kind of campy to me when it shouldn't have been. Like it was just, I thought it was a little. I thought it was a little weak, you know. Again, I think I don't think they wanted the movie to end and be like, and then they lost, and it sucked. Yeah, justice <laughs> was not served. Served, but uh, but you know, at the same time, like I mentioned, Detroit. Detroit is a movie that does that, where it's just like, yeah, th- you know, this happened, and the people got away with it, and that's the way our country is. Like, and I think I kind of respect that a little bit more. So, yeah, no, th- those are my negatives. It wasn't a ton of them. Really, it's just like the music is I'm not a huge fan of. And then the ending, I think, tries to spin something that's horrible in a positive light, which I didn't really like appreciate too much. But other than that, I mean, generally, like the rest of the movie I thought was fucking awesome. One of the best movies this, to come out this year, I think. For sure. For sure. But before we... Before we s- splooge that load out why don't we uh why don't you hit me with some tomato tomatoes well i said this a couple episodes ago i think it was when we did hubie and i was like oh for like the third time on this podcast the critics and audience are tied and that is the case again today wow yeah so sorry owen wilson just came in and took my mic (laughs) wow wow (laughs) wow Anytime there's surprise, it's going to be, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Critics and audience, tomato, tomato. They are both bringing this movie at a 90%. Wow. Okay. A minus is all around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really matter, but we always say tomato sounds more positive than tomato. Um, I'm going to say tomato, and I'm going to say right on, man. A minus. A minus? Yeah. Yeah. I... This was tough for me because there's so much I like about it. And from a film standpoint, I really want to give this an A. I'm going tomato as well. I feel like my personal taste, it's an A minus, but I just grading this as a movie, I'm going to give it an A. Okay. So very nice. Um, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it an A. I think this is, from a film standpoint, this might be the best movie to come out so far this year. I don't know. I haven't seen everything, but like, I really, really like this. I think this is done masterfully. There are movies that I enjoyed more, but that's more of a taste thing. So, yeah, I hear you, Poppy. 
That's what they call me. <laughs> That's what they call you. Yeah, no, so. like, I actually really like um, courtroom dramas and stuff like that. Like, I like, because I feel like for it to be a good one, it needs to have, like, sharp dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, that's usually the thing that's, like, most exciting about it. It's, like, when when there's, like, a breakthrough in a case or, like, when you see, like, you know, the, the lawyer, like, figures it out. Like, he cracks it. Like, oh, I know how to, I know how to attack this now. I know how to access the truth and I know how to get this person to, like, reveal it and, like, like I like my cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny's yeah. a courtroom drama. <laughs> drama. <laughs> but even that, like every courtroom movie has that moment where there's like, boom, this is this is it. And I guess that's a cool thing about this is that they don't have that moment because the judge is such a cock that like they have like an all star witness and in Michael Keaton's character, and then he, the judge is just like, nah, all of that is all of that is not important. Yeah. Even though he literally said, he's like, well, we already were investigating these guys when I was the attorney general for the fucking country. And we already deemed that they weren't, there wasn't a, they weren't a conspiracy group that they were, they were not doing any of this. Yeah. They were non-militant and everything. And they're just like, nah, it's not important to this trial. It's like what it is literally <laughs> the entirety of the trial. Yeah. Like it is 100% the trial. And he's like, no, I don't think the jury needs to hear any of this. <laughs> so stupid. It's ridiculous that anybody could have just been sitting there and been like, good call, judge. Like, how did nobody, I mean, I guess the times and I don't know, but it's like, how did nobody just fight and just be like, we need a different judge? I'm pretty sure you can do that. I'm pretty sure there are rules where you can be like, if you can, if you can prove that the judge is serving with prejudice then they can be removed from the case or it's, it's a mistrial or or it just gets postponed until a different judge can oversee it. Yeah. But it's just so yeah, frustrating. Man. Fuck that asshole. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Great movie villain, but also yeah. terrible to find out that that was just a real person. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah, Franklin Jell is an asshole. <laughs> yeah, him personally. Yeah, what a dick. He was also Skeletor in Masters of the Universe, so he's he's good at being a villain. He um he has one of my I'm fairly certain it's him. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely him. He has my favorite. I don't. I shouldn't even say favorite because there's so many good lines. You ever see the movie Draft Day? No. Draft Day is exactly what it sounds like. It takes place. It's uh, Kevin Costner. It takes place all on the day of the NFL draft. Actually, that's one of uh, Chadwick Boseman's early films. Okay. It's got some of the shittiest dialogue. It's so rough. But basically, Frank Langella plays the uh, GM of the football team. Okay. And, like, again, like, the dialogue is really shitty in this movie. It's very on the nose. At the beginning of the movie... The GM, or uh, no, the, he's the owner. The owner takes uh, Kevin Costner, who's the GM, to a water park, and 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 he takes him to a water park, and he's basically just like, "It's draft day, Sonny. People pay you to get wet. I need you to make a splash." So basically, he takes time out of the GM's day to take him to a water park to tell him to make a big trade. <laughs> That's amazing. And he just goes, people pay to get wet, Sonny. <laughs> that's amazing. Because that's like, you got to pay for tickets to get in there. You got to drive there. Meaning yeah, he either yeah. had to pick him up or he had to meet him there. 
just so he can use the imagery for one of a of a water slide. <laughs> yeah. For one for one piece of information. He's like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna assume this was a time before text messaging. <laughs> well, Came out in 2014. Oh, God. <laughs> Could have just texted me a picture of a water slide, you fucking old fart. <laughs> yeah. You geezer. I can't work. It's, I can't work it. I don't know how to send pictures on my phone. Draft Day is a movie that, like, I would actually love to just, like, watch with you or just have you watch just to see how dumb it is. Like, as a sports fan, and, and especially someone who really likes the draft, like, for uh, hockey and stuff there's something about this movie that is appealing to me, but I watch it. And I'm just like, it's so bad. It's so shitty. And like Dennis Leary plays the coach in it. And he's like <laughs> such a caricature yeah. where basically like he coached a previous team that won like five Super Bowls, And then he comes over to coach the Cleveland Browns, which is like the, uh, Kevin Costner's like team. Mm-hmm. And basically like there's a part where Kevin Costner's like, I need to trade for this player. And he's like, you're not going to trade that player. He, you know, I need him on my team. I'm not coaching this team if he's not on here. And then he's like, well, he's like, you know what? Like the team that you were on, like they can't, uh, you know, they did things differently, you know? And then <laughs> literally he goes, um, he goes, yeah. And you know what else they do? They win a lot. And then he pulls up his hand. He's winning, wearing like five Super Bowl rings on oh one God. hand. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's so stupid. And then, uh, and yeah, like they have the first overall pick in the draft or like they were supposed to have like, I think like this, I can't remember. They were supposed to have like a bottom, like five pick in the draft. And then they trade up to get the first pick and then things happen. But obviously they are a shit team who just finished in the bottom of the league. And then they like make a couple trades on draft day. And then talking about cheesy endings, the way this movie ends is like, there's like the music swelling. And then all like, uh, Franklin Jella gets up in front of all the Cleveland Browns fans. And he's like, we had a great day. And then everyone starts chanting super bowl. Like Super Bowl, Super Bowl. <laughs> and it's like you just finished like dead last in the league. <laughs> yeah. And you just had a draft. Like, there's just a draft. <laughs> That's such a boring yeah. concept for who thought, oh, you know, it would make an awesome movie? Draft day. It was probably some fucking like football agent, some guy who's like there. He's like, ah, man, you wouldn't believe the life I live. I, I'm in the shit with these guys. I'm in there. Oh, draft day? Nobody. Oh, the adrenaline. The rush. What a rush. It's like, we got to make a movie about this. There's there's so many side plots going on, too. Like, basically, like, it's draft day. He's trying to prepare. And his mom keeps, like, showing up every 20 minutes. And she's like, Sonny, we need to bury your father's ashes. And he's like, not now, Mom. I got to play football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, Chadwick Boseman plays, like, one of the players that's getting drafted. And uh, basically, he's, like, calling the GM, like, on the morning of the draft, which, like, this doesn't happen. But basically, I guess in football, where you get drafted determines your salary for that year. And he's basically just like, you need to draft me first overall. And he's like, well, you're not good enough to be drafted first overall. And he's like, but you got to because I need that first overall salary because all my, like, sister's kids need to go to the gym or something like that. (laughs) And he's like, like harassing him, basically. And then... Uh, you know, I won't spoil everything, but it's just like, nobody does that. Like 
players that aren't even drafted into the NHL don't try and like threaten another GM. Be like, draft me or else, you punk. <laughs> yeah, right? Like they're holding all the cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I am? I'm a college kid. It's so it's so cheesy. But it's like one of those movies you watch it and you're just laughing at. You're like, this is so ridiculous. Like, who wrote this thing? But, so, um, so that's our episode on the Chicago 7 and Draft Day. Draft Day. <laughs> Go check that out. Is that streaming somewhere? Maybe I will watch it if I'm really bored. I actually think it is. I think that might be on Amazon. Oh, okay. And I'm not going to watch it. You know what, though? Uh, we talked about him on our last episode, the director of Draft Day, Ivan Reitman. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Big scoop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Did did Ben and Jerry just walk in here? Because I got a big scoop. <laughs> <laughs> you know your boy always gives you big scoops? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, if the Swampies want a big scoop of this dick, they can check us out on OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com <laughs> backslash two dudes, one movies. It's, it's gotta be up by now, right? I don't know. You, you would know. I would know. I'll do it. I'll do it. We need it. You know how much money we can make off this, these sweet, sweet dick pics? About as much money as we are. We're making off our t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Go to two dudes com to see some t-shirts. <laughs> listen, you got two options, Swampies. We got three options. You can listen to this show and not show love and support us. That's totally fine because we're happy to have listeners and we're happy that you guys are out there. You could listen to the show and support us by buying t-shirts and stickers and magnets and all sorts of crazy stuff on our website, two dudes com, or you can listen to the show and support us by spending $10 a month to subscribe to our OnlyFans where you can totally just see our junk. It's, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm literally going to take pictures of just like junk around my house. Yeah. It's like, oh man, look at this pile of clothes that I haven't put away yet. Look at this fish fillet wrapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, they're not all from the same day. It's like, it's still a lot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, and he's cleaning out Michael Scott's cars. Yeah, the so office. fish fillet. It's, like, it's not all from today. Still. It's still a lot. <laughs> a lot. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, yeah, if you you know you know what to do. Do all that stuff. Follow us on Instagram at 2DudesMovieReviews. You can follow me at Sky2Dudes. And you can follow me at Colin Two Dudes. Oh yeah, that's a yawn for you guys. Keeping that in. It's been a long day. It's been a long day for the podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's such a long day. I don't like sit down and joke on the phone with my friend. I know I'm yawning like it's late. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole day is ahead of me. I, I feel so exhausted. Why? Yeah. I'm beat. I'm going to take a nap and a crap, and I'm going to sit on a lap, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> suck it, Swampies. <laughs>